0: Hey, good morning, Calvary Church. If you will, open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. Proverbs 22, verse 6 is where we'll be sitting in our time here this morning. For those watching out in the courtyard, good morning. For those watching online, good morning. And I imagine our online audience is a little larger this morning Feels like half the people I know either have COVID or a really bad cold right now. Do you agree with that? Is that kind of your world too? And so for those that are sick, we're just praying for for health in your life and a quick recovery. And for those that are here in the room, you may have just instinctively reached out uh, for a Bible in the seat rack in front of you. And we have taken intentionally the Bibles out of the racks here in the auditorium. Because tomorrow is vacation Bible school. And it's not that we're against Bibles for our kids. But we are against kids having 30 minutes with a pen and a Bible left to themselves. So normally use one of the Bibles in the seat racks here. Uh, Maybe you can pull out your phone or if you have your physical Bible, open up. I'm going to read both from the New Living Translation this morning and the NASB, the New American Standard uh, Bible, in in just a moment. Proverbs 22, verse 6. This is actually week 8 of 14 weeks that we're studying and diving in to the book of Proverbs. We started June 5th, Eric Wakeling, our wonderful lead pastor started us off and then he rode into the sunset on his sabbatical right there. He'll be back on Labor Day. And in between, there's several of us guest speakers, uh, those on staff that are getting to jump in and and study and lead uh, this great, wonderful book. Uh, Christian Hemmerling, our high school pastor will be joining me to teach here this morning. So, so thankful for Christian and the way that he poured into our high school students uh, two weeks ago at Hume Lake. And then I'm thankful that our college students are also back safe and sound from Mexico. They had a wonderful trip from what I've heard over the last week. So camps are coming and going. And tomorrow in your seats there will be registered right now over 1000 kids here in this room. <laughs> this is amazing to think about. Part of VBS is we have a missionary in residence, and we are so grateful this year to have Oleg and Marina Rutski and their kids, Mark and Karina and Esther and Sophia and the Rutskis. Well, Stand up, stand up, stand up, Rutskis. Welcome. If we see you fall asleep, we totally get it. It's about 9 o'clock your time in Moldova. Moldova borders Ukraine. And Oleg is actually a citizenship by birth Ukrainian. And so they have had a tremendous ministry uh, across the, at the border and across into Ukraine over the last few months. So we're grateful that you can rest a little bit right now. And then jump into VBS tomorrow. (laughs) We'll hear from them. I also want to give a shout out while I'm just kind of going on a roll here. Tracy Geis is here from Papua New Guinea, one of our Calvary missionaries. Wonderful to see you, Tracy. Steve, her husband Steve is busy flying in Papua New Guinea right now. But she is here um, with her kids, Amy and Brian Smith and their kids. So grateful that you're here as well. And so... I'm sure I have many more shout-outs to give, but I do eventually want to get to Proverbs 22. So if you are there, open your Bibles, Proverbs 22. I'm going to read it first in the New Living Translation. We kind of go back and forth here between the New Living Translation and the New American Standard Bible as far as the the two translations we use here on Sunday mornings. But Proverbs 22.6 says this in the NLT. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older they will not leave it. And then I want to read from the NASB. If if you've heard this verse before, you may hear some more familiar words when it's in this translation. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. (laughs) And so what was said in Proverbs 22 thousands of years ago matters to us here in a July Sunday morning in 2022. I want you to look at that first word of verse 6. It says in the NLT direct in the NASB train. Direct train, the, the original Hebrew word, the Bible was written in Hebrew here in Proverbs. The original Hebrew word is shanak. And Shinnok also can mean not only train or direct, but it also can mean dedicate. It's used five times in the Old Testament. Twice it talks about dedicating one's house to the Lord, which is really cool. If you can ever afford a house in Orange County, which is about 1% of us, but if you ever can, um, you should dedicate your house to the Lord. You should literally walk through your house and say, God, this home belongs to you. Whether you own it or rent it, it doesn't matter. Dedicate your home, your place to the Lord. Do that even this afternoon. So it says it twice, dedicate your house. And then it says it twice, dedicate the house of the Lord. So it uses this same word, shanak, to say dedicate your house, dedicate the house of the Lord. And we've done that several times here at Calvary Church. In fact, even a few years ago as we were doing some remodeling, we wrote scripture verses. You remember this? underneath the new carpet that was about to um, be laid down and just passages of declaring God's glory and, and goodness and nature and faithfulness here at Calvary. And so four times it's used, dedicate your house, dedicate the house of the Lord. And it's used in the fifth time here to say dedicate, set apart your child. It's a reminder that parents, Your children, whether they're one day old or you're an empty nester, your kids do not belong to you. They belong to the Lord. Now, do you love them? Yes, of course. Would you do anything for them? Yes, of course. But ultimately, there is one who loves them even more than you do, which is so crazy to think about. There is one who laid down not just their sleep patterns, but laid down their life for your child, going to the cross for their sins. His name, that one, is Jesus Christ. And so we are called as parents to dedicate, set apart our kids to Jesus Christ. And so we thought we'd practice that right now, right off the bat in this message, by inviting two of our Calvary families to dedicate Chanuk, their kids, to the Lord, to say, God, this child belongs to you. And as a steward of this child, I will do my best to raise them in the way of Jesus. And so, can I invite the Dillo and the Bergstrom families to come on up right now? And this is a really special moment, even for me, as three of the four of these guys, adults, were in my youth group back in the day. So, this is really cool. <laughs> Kyle, you can take this. Natalie, Nate, you can take this. And let's scoot up just a little bit so everybody can see us. Such good-looking families right here. So, Dillos, why don't you introduce us to your family?
1: Yeah, so I'm Natalie. I'm Nate. And this is Carter and Jones.
0: And Jones is who we're going to dedicate yes. today, who turned one years old on June 7th. And and uh, in- introduce us to your family.
2: Yeah, my name's Kyle. I'm Caitlin. This is- Benny and Tate, and we're dedicating Tate today.
0: So. so, Tate, who turned one in February, is going to be dedicated today. Now, the reason that they're even up here together is that these guys, these four, are cousins. And so, this is a really special day, even for them. So, the two older ones, um, Benny and Carter, are three. And then Jones and Tate are both uh, hitting the ones right now. Mm-hmm. You guys, there's a pattern here. If you want to have a third, we could announce it right now or if you want. <laughs> um, but Dillos, tell us even what's your prayer for Jones, something that you wanted to share over him.
1: Yeah, I wrote it down because <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, so during my pregnancy with both boys, I kind of dedicate a worship song mm-hmm. to them, um, one that's just been on my heart or that I feel drawn to while pregnant with them. And Jones, throughout my. You. Throughout my pregnancy, mm-hmm. um, in kind of our, our short struggle to get pregnant with him, I kept coming back to the song, The Blessing, mm-hmm. that everybody knows and loves. Yeah. Um, I would listen to it on repeat at home, on the way to doctor's appointments, when things felt hard or scary or uncertain, um, and also in moments of celebration and mm-hmm. relief. I would play this song and just sing it to him, mm-hmm. um, and it really felt like a promise yeah. to Jones from God and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, Like I loved the idea of God's favor on my children and Mm -hmm. their children and generations to come. And then just having the knowledge of God's graciousness and peace. So when we were trying to pick a name for him, which we always leave to the very last minute, (laughs) I looked up some of our favorite names and Jones actually means God is gracious. Mm -hmm. um, Which was perfect because that's literally what I had been praying over him for the the months leading up to him being a, th- a thing, and mm. then my pregnancy with him.
0: I love that. Hey, it add something to that.
1: Yeah, sorry.
2: To add to that, um, uh, I've uh, my my prayers to um, uh, between
3: Jesus, our family, and our community. Uh, it's very important for me to make sure that our children and Jones uh, know that they
2: are never alone or unheard. And mm-hmm. that's always something that, um, uh, that's been dear to my heart, or mm-hmm. our hearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of turned into our prayer for, the, uh, for Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, that
3: God's peace and graciousness, mm-hmm.
0: um, that he knows, <laughs> or that Jones knows and feels
2: the presence <laughs> of our Heavenly Father <laughs> Uh, our community.
0: I love that. I love that. Hmm. Well, then I'm always so impressed with our parents as they juggle <laughs> with each other and with their babies. But yeah, Colin, uh, Caitlin, um, want you to share with us even what your prayer is um, in, in <laughs> over Tate. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, I think uh, our prayer is similar too. And I didn't even know she was going to talk about a song, but that's we had a song too that we liked and would pray over Tate, and it's actually. The theme of the song is, it's called Banks. It's like, a, mm-hmm. as parents, you want to be banks to the river of your child. And as you can see, you can't really control them. You just kind of have to <laughs> uh, try to guide them. Oh,
0: I could tell him stories about his dad, <laughs> yeah, all yeah. right?
2: So we just want to be that that guiding force, kind of how that proverb was saying. And for us, a big part of that was Calvary Church. Yeah. Growing up in the church, we met in seventh grade here. So, you know, having that community kind of guide our children Amen. forward and being a part of that and, have um, a lot of people, you know, come around your child and, and be in that same, that yeah. same area.
0: Okay. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, you guys. And I know the Dillos, I think they're watching at home probably or online. And Bergstrom's are here. And then Caitlin, are your parents around here somewhere as well? There they are, Stuttertide. Good to see you guys. Uh, I know that the generations have already begun. And so let's just pray that the generations continue to walk with Jesus Christ. And so church family. It says, Chinook, dedicate your kids. So this is part of your role too. Would you just kind of put your hands out and saying, we're with you, Bergstrom's. We're with you, Dillos? And let's go before the Lord and dedicate Tate and Jones. Heavenly Father, what a sacred moment this is. Thank you for the biblical command and the call to set apart our kids for you. Lord, ultimately, we just say that Tate and Jones belong to you. God, they're your children made in your image. God, would you be gracious to Tate? Would you be gracious to Jones? Would you make them leaders in your church? And may the generations after them even understand the blessings that they've received from you. God, I thank you for both older brothers. Pray for Benny and Carter, that they could be examples to their younger brothers. They could be mentors, not mockers and that they could even walk with you first. And God, thank you so much for Nate and Natalie, their heart for you. Protect them, God. Protect their marriage. Strengthen them. Just praise you, God, for their faithfulness. God, for Caitlin and Kyle, God, we just thank you for seventh grade meeting then and your faithfulness to them year after year. God, equip them in this parenting role. And so we give you Tate. We give you Jones. And we said... Amen, amen. Well done, you guys. We'll take that. (laughs) So that's what Proverbs 22 is telling us to do dedicate, set apart our kids. I wanna uh, give us a little quick 10,000 foot view of how this can look in every generation, not just in a moment on a Sunday, but, but even throughout a lifetime. And then Christian will come up and, and go a little bit more specifically in how do we train, direct our kids in the way. And so uh, we titled this Generation to Generation. And I wanna look at this idea of, in child psychology of the idea of nurture and nature and then choice. Part of what Proverbs 22, 6 is talking about is this idea of nurturing our kids, directing them, training them. So I've been thinking about this verse all week. Uh, When I wake up and and when I'm going to bed, when for walks in my neighborhood here in Santa Ana, just thinking like, Lord, what does this look like for our church? What does this look like for me? And I would say like, Christian and I are probably not the most qualified people to be sharing encouragement or or leading in this passage Uh, as Christian works with youth and he's doing an incredible job, but uh, he's still growing too. And, and I'm a, I'm a parent, but I'm a parent of a 17 through seven year old and there are works in progress right now. I, I probably should ask some of you that are, that have been around the block a little bit. I'm not calling you old, but I'm just saying like, like you've already, you've raised your kids that are adults. I'm I'm thinking of my parents right there who are here today from Santa Cruz, 50 years of marriage uh, this year, which is awesome. Dad, let me tag team out. You need to do this message. So I'm very much a work in progress. So I I say this as a fellow sojourner, not as an expert. But as we're thinking through this passage, I'm thinking, man, we direct and we train our kids in so many things. We, We direct and train their sleep when they're just infants, or we try to. We direct, we train kids. Uh, out of diapers. Remember those days, for those of you? Training your kids, giving them an M&M if if they uh, succeeded in in going in the right place. (laughs) We direct and train our kids in academics. Here in Southern California, the pressure to to make it to university has never been greater, and it feels like it starts earlier and earlier, And so as parents, you're on your kid's academic successes and career and and involved in it and hiring tutors to help them if needed. And back when the SAT was a thing, then you would would take them to SAT classes and, and you're very interested in training and directing them to eventually land in college. The youth sport culture here in Orange County. We spend a ton of time and investment and money training our kids in sports. And as I was thinking in my own life, like, ooh, even I have particularly put a lot of training and investment in my kids in sports, even in this last season. And then the question starts to come, are we putting that much intentionality and passion And focus in training and directing our kids in the spiritual life. So we're so interested in training our kids to get out of diapers. To go get that A in bio AP. To hit a double so that they somehow uh, make the next team. But are we investing, directing, and training them to walk with Jesus Christ? Now, I just want to have a ton of grace over all parents. It's hard. parenting's not easy. Some people joke it doesn't come with a training manual. But actually it does. <laughs> Proverbs 22.6. Train your child in the way that they should go. Tim Keller and Kathy Keller wrote a, a great uh, devotional on the book of Proverbs. And looking at Proverbs twenty-two. Verse six. They, they had this thought. Traditionally, parents use strict discipline. The modern view, though, is that parents should mainly be supportive and allow self-discovery. So our culture has shifted. It used to be that discipline was a primary attribute of a parent. Now the primary uh, goal, uh, the definition of success of a modern parent is this, is to be supportive and to allow self-discovery of your child. And this leads to all kinds of paths that we would have never anticipated 50, 100 years ago, or 1,000 years ago, or even in the time of Proverbs. We see a culture where parents are passive about their child's sexuality and their gender because the main goal is just to be supportive and allow self-discovery, not to train or direct. We also see this in helicopter parenting. The idea that my kids can't have anything bad happen to them. Or they shouldn't have to suffer any consequences from their actions. And so the helicopter parenting is the idea that you swoop in and you rescue your kid from any type of suffering. That's modern culture. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to swim upstream. In so many different ways. And one of those ways is through parenting. Kellers go on to say, Proverbs teaches us that the ultimate goal of parenting is neither control or affirmation, but to teach children to become wise and righteous. So I have this thought. What if the primary aim of our parenting is to help our kids become holy rather than just Happy. You see, the, the normal inclination, the, the natural self when it comes to parenting kids is to protect their, their happiness, to, to help them become happy. We've even said to our kids, right, these words I just want you to be happy. Whatever makes you happy. But what if a countercultural life with Jesus? is actually one that says, yeah, happiness is nice, but my aim in directing and training you and dedicating to the Lord is to help you become holy, to walk with Jesus day in and day out. Now, this can be tough. I'm a natural people pleaser. (laughs) And uh, with my kids, I I want them to be happy. One Wednesday night, I came home from church. It was late at night. Most of the, the house was asleep. And one of my sons uh, woke me up. as He could hear me coming through the house uh, from Wednesday night church. And he goes, Dad, Dad. I was like, yeah? He's like, can I have some milk? I was like, of course you can have some milk. Then I go to the kitchen, <laughs> pour in some milk, bring it into his room. He's like, thank you. I was like, of course. I'm so happy to give that to you. I've been gone all day, feeling a little guilty. Like, have your milk. Then <laughs> My wife Marie comes in. She's like... Matt, we've been having a three-hour battle over milk. And then you just walked in and gave him milk. (laughs) I'm sorry. I do not know what I do. (laughs) So many times in my parenting, though, I'm just struggling with the idea. I want to make them happy. But the training direction should be in holiness. Then the verse says this. And when they're older, they will not leave it. Now, again... Some of these things are out of our control. Nature. Uh, We know that this isn't just environment, but uh, the Bible says that every single person has a sin nature. Meaning that they're born into sin. This little beautiful baby that uh, you're holding in your arms has a sin nature inherited from the first parents. And so the only way for that nature to change is for Jesus to crucify that nature on the cross and replace it with a new nature. A nature where the Holy Spirit is now in you. And so you can nurture, train, direct all you want, but ultimately our kids have to give their lives to Jesus. And then they have to make a choice to walk with Jesus. So some of us, when we see this second half of Proverbs 22, feel a little sad. I I tried to direct train my kids. Promise here says when they're older, they won't depart from it. But now my kids, as it stands right now, are not walking with Jesus. What do I do with that? Did I just do something wrong? Well, yeah, we're all imperfect parents. But we also have to understand grace. That ultimately, we obey Christ. We train, direct as best we can. But ultimately, it's our kids' decision whether they follow Jesus and choose him. Therefore, Proverbs 22.6 is not a prediction. I mean, not a promise, but a Prediction. It's a general statement. It's a general statement of wisdom saying, if you train, direct your kids, if you dedicate them to the Lord, there's a good chance that they're going to walk with God. But is it a 100% airtight guarantee? Not necessarily. Because the nature has to be crucified and given over to Jesus. And each of our children, each of us have a free will, have to choose Christ on our own. So for those of you that you read Proverbs 22 and you just feel guilt, I want you to step into grace. (laughs) But for those of us that are praying even, God, my child at VBS accepted you, and now in their 20s they want nothing to do with you. Hold on to hope that what's been instilled in them, God sees, and God is not done. The final chapter has not been written in your kids' lives if they are not walking with Jesus. And so I want to pray for us right now, and I'm going to invite Christian to come up, give us some details of walking in the way. I want to pray this. Uh, Jesus, be with me in my training and directing of kids. Jesus, be in my kids' lives as they choose you. Father, parents in this room, adult, par- parents of adults, parents of kids, God, I just pray that you would direct us and give us courage, not just to please our kids, but to help direct and train them to become holy. And God, for those of us who have children who are not walking with you, God, would you help us to persevere when that prayer becomes the thousandth time we've prayed it. God, give us endurance. God, finish the story. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
3: Amen. Good morning, Calvary Church. I'm Christian Hemmerling, if we haven't met. I have the honor of being the high school pastor currently. For a year and a half before that, I was serving as our associate high school pastor. And just for the past couple weeks, I've been running the ship. And I'm passionate about discipleship. It's something I've wanted to center my life around, my career around. Because I myself am a product of discipleship as I'm sure every single person in this room who has made the decision to follow Jesus, we are a product of discipleship of people who have come before us and invested the good news of Jesus into us. It started for me, as with many of us, with parents who knew the Lord. My father grew up in a home that believed in Christ, and my mom was invited to church in middle school, and there came to know him for herself. And like most kids, I'd go to Sunday school. I'd sometimes be screaming and kicking on the way there. And sometimes I was happy to go and make some crafts and all of that. I'm the second oldest of four boys. And some more things about me. I was born in Canada. When I was seven, my family moved to China. And we ended up living there for seven years. I'd say over that time, you start figuring out a little bit more of who you are specifically. And I would not say that I had much of an interest in having God be a part of my life. There were a few moments maybe in church or at a retreat that I had some kind of encounter with him. But overall, I think I could sum up my desire for him with a little story where my parents were going to church. I wanted to go to the main service so I could just sit there and draw and disengage. They said, no, you have to go to the youth group. I instead decided to stand outside and do nothing for an hour and a half rather than go to youth group. I wasn't exactly on fire for Jesus at this point in my life, you know. And my parents, when I was 14, made the decision to move from China to the United States. And an essential part of this point or this move for them was finding a church that had a youth group that we'd really want to be engaged in, one that was vibrant and lively and was teaching people about Jesus and doing so in a way that was drawing people in. And we showed up to this church, and there was a freshman guy, small group leader, by the name of Keith Lins. And Keith was in his 40s or maybe 50s, I don't know, it's hard to tell when you're that age how old people are, you're just like they're older than me. And (laughs) Keith Lins would show up at my house, me, as this shy new kid on the block. He would just show up at my house with some freshman guys in the car and say, hey, Christian, we are going, and we're going to hang out. And I'm sure my parents were on the phone with him saying, you got to figure out how to get this kid out of our house, because all he's doing is playing video games. And he would just show up. He would just show up and say, Christian, I want to know you. I want to hang out with you. And I started to get introduced into this youth group because of the persistence of one volunteer, Keith Lins, a goofy guy who loved cats and gag gifts and owned a photography business. He pursued me. He invested in me. Over a couple of years in high school, I began to be, become more interested, or I wouldn't say interested in Jesus, but interested in being at least involved in this social group called my youth group. Getting to know people through Keith, getting to know our youth leader. But then my parents made another wise decision to not let me play video games all summer, and forced me to work at a summer camp in Canada called Green Bay Bible Camp. And it was there that all of these seeds that had been laid in my life, I think over years, began to blossom. Kind of like a desert bloom. If you've seen one of those, it's the picture I get. It's just All of these seeds have been scattered and people think they're wasting t- their time with this kid who's really not that interested in knowing God. And then just water fell on my soul in this deluge and then Life started to spring up. All of these, soul, these, these seeds that had been planted over time. And I got excited about knowing God for myself. And then from this point, I came home. And I decided I want to know Jesus for myself. I want to make my life about him now, not myself. And then these people kept coming around me. continuing Keith Lynn's continuing to get to know me. Continuing to talk on these walks that he'd call meat and potatoes because they, they fill your soul, you fill your tummy. We just go on walks, and I tell them all the things I'm thinking about God and all the ways that I'm trying to follow him. My youth leader would give me space to speak at church, even though I had no idea what I'd really be doing. Maybe I'm still a little bit that way. but And I had other people encourage me when I got off that stage and said, Christian, God used you as you shared these words, despite the fact that your hands were trembling the whole time. And I'm a product of discipleship of these men and women, my parents, my my Sunday school teachers, my youth leaders, all of them investing in me and giving me this great gift of Jesus Christ, the greatest gift that I I could have ever been given. And I think, who am I to withhold that from anyone? Who am I not to continue to pass this on to anybody who might be interested in knowing? And maybe pursuing some kids who do not know that one day, they're going to be interested in knowing him it's such a gift to know jesus isn't it and that's why i'm passionate about discipleship i'm a product of it we all are so i just want to offer a couple thoughts around discipleship from the scriptures um the first one is just this idea that we've been talking about all summer with our students is that practice makes persistent practice makes persistent Jesus goes, we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, right? And at the end of it, he gives this little story. He says there's two types of people in the world. There are people who build their houses on sand, and there's people who build their houses on rocks. And the people who build their house on the sand are those who listen to my words and do not put them into practice. And when the storms of life come, and they will, everything that they have built gets washed away and then there are people who hear my words and they put them into practice. And those are the ones who are building their lives on a rock, on something solid. And when the storms of life come, it stands firm because it's been built on something solid. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like a person who builds their house on a solid rock. Anyone who listens to my teaching teaching and follows it. And it is so easy to be people who are so good at listening to the words of Jesus, taking in the information. But how hard is it to put it into practice? He says, this is the difference. This is the thing that separates those who have a faith that lasts, that is sturdy, that stands, and those who have everything washed away. And so the challenge for us as people who want To be discipling others is first to be reminded that we ourselves need to be putting into practice the words that we hear. And it's funny because it feels so obvious, right? It feels so obvious that you have to do what you're told. And yet Jesus knows at the end of this amazing sermon that he gives, packed with wisdom, he's like, some of you are going to hear it and not walk away. I want you to put it into practice so you can be building something that's solid. So it is a check for us. It is a check for us. Are we hearers only? Are we doers of the word? Because the beautiful thing is that when we start to do it, then we can invite other people into it. Paul puts it this way. He talks about discipleship, and really it's this idea that discipleship involves imitation. In 1 Corinthians he says this, you should imitate me, You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. You should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. When I think of the idea of imitation, I think about my older brother. He is about a year and a half older than me, and when we were, I was like five, six-ish. He was six or seven. We loved superheroes. We loved superheroes, specifically Batman and Robin. And what we would do is dress up like these superheroes, you know, put the underwear on the outside of your pants, and he would be Batman, of course. I would be Robin because I was always the sidekick. And we would start training on how to fight bad guys, you know? We, we saw the cartoon. We got a sense of what Batman and Robin were doing, and we thought, okay, what do we do? How do we fight the ghosts in our, in our basement? And I loved Nick so much, and I was so enamored with who he was that I wanted to be just like him, and i just follow him around. And I said, Nick, if we're going to be fighting bad guys, that's what I'm going to uh, do. My, my desire to be like him was so strong that I'd even ask him what I wanted for my birthday. He was happy to tell me that I wanted what he wanted. Um, but we'd dress up, like these we'd, we'd watch these shows, and we'd dress up like these superheroes, and we'd get my parents, and we'd bring them into the basement and, and then bounce around on, on our couch and put on this production of us fighting these bad guys together. And I wanted, I, I wanted to be just like him, and I wanted to imitate him, and he was really imitating his, hero, his heroes, right? He was imitating Batman, and I'm imitating Nick. And we're putting on this production, and my parents are laughing and smiling and proud of us. But I just think that, that's sort of what it's like. Imitate Jesus. I'm trying to be like him. I'm trying to be like him. Come and do this with me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Batman. Come with me. What would make our father more proud, right? What would make our father more proud than us trying to be like his son, our older brother? Some of us feel kind of maybe uh, daunted by this idea. You think, who, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to, to ask anyone to imitate me? I feel like I am just struggling along myself, even Matt mentioning... We are only so far, him and I, only so far along in this journey, and there are many of you are f- much further along than us. And yet, the point is that we are never going to be perfect. We're following someone who is. And we need people who can say, oh, imitate me as I obey Jesus. Imitate me as I learn how to use my wealth for the kingdom. Imitate me as I learn to be a forgiving person. It is difficult, but I want you to watch me forgive This sibling of mine who's been driving me crazy for ages. Or imitate me as I learn what it is like to use my time to serve other people. Imitate me as I'm figuring it out. And we need need people to imitate us as we try to obey. But we also need, especially if we're trying to raise up people who are going to be following Jesus for a long time, we need to be able to say, imitate me as I repent. Imitate me as I go back to the path because I have been off of it. Imitate me as I confess my shortcomings. We do not need to be perfect. We need to be obedient to Jesus. That is worth imitating. Imitate me as I worship God with a heart that's full of praise. Imitate me as I fail, knowing that I can fail and fall on His grace. Who are you imitating? Who are the people in your life that you want to be just like, the, the, the imperfect works of Jesus, who you want to be like, model your life after? Who are the people that you are inviting to imitate you? Who are the people you wish your kids or your grandkids or, or the, the, some other person's kids who are a little bit rambunctious? You, who, who are the people you wish they were imitating? Sign those people up for VBS. It's, the, it's this week. We all get to be at, we all are a part of this at this, this, this. discipleship, this, this invitation to imitation, this invitation to imitation of Jesus. And we don't have to be perfect. We need to be obedient. We're following the one who is. So, uh, discipleship involves imitation. And the last thing I just wanted to mention is this, that the, the path is a person. Now, it's this idea that, the proverb says to raise them in the way they should go, raise them into the path, and they will not depart from it when they're older. Jesus says this crazy thing, this crazy thing in John 14. Thomas is asking him, or he says, we don't know where you're going, so how can you know the way? Thomas, very pragmatic. If I can't see the holes in your hands, I don't believe it happened. I don't know where you're going. How the heck, I don't even know where you're going. How do, how do I join you? And Jesus says this, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way. I am the way that Jesus is the way to the Father, that the path is a person. And that any turn towards him, if we do not know where we're going, is the, a turn in the right direction. So if you don't know which way to be turning right now, you're like, God, I feel like I've been off base. I have not been walking towards you. Turn to Jesus. Directions in the kingdom of God are not that hard. It's not north, south, east, west. Turn to Jesus. It's a turn in the right direction. If you don't know where to turn your kids, turn them to Jesus. Turn them to Jesus. He is the way to the Father. He is the way to the Father. He is the path on which we get to be leading people. It is... A complicated journey, but so simple when we get to center it on, the, on Jesus Christ. And the gift of the church is that we get to do this thing together. The gift of the church is that we get to do this together. Let's continue to do the amazing work that we've been called to do of raising up disciples, of ourselves submitting to the truth, leaning into obedience, putting into practice the words that we've been given. Let us call others to imitate us just as we are imitating those who go before us, 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 us. And let's center our path on the person of Jesus Christ, the only way, the only way, the only truth, the only life. Discipleship is the mission of the church, and we get to do it with him. Amen? I'm just going to pray and invite the worship team up. Um, God, we are so grateful. We're so grateful that you came and you've made disciples, that you invite us us on this journey of knowing you, that we get to be imperfect, but imitators of you, Lord. And Father, we just increase our capacity. Increase our capacity to raise up the next generation in the way of Jesus. All of us are on the journey, Father. I would just pray for anyone who might be discouraged at the impact, um, at the, maybe the way that their, their children or, or their, their friends or those behind them are walking, Lord? Would, it, would you give us hope, just as Matt, Matt mentioned, would you just give us hope that you're still, you still alive, that you're still at work, that it's still worth it? Remind us of the amazing gift we've been given in you, of, of the amazing people who have come before us, who have invested in us and brought us to the point we are. And, Lord, would we just be filled with the knowledge that we have found life in you, that we have been found the way, and what a miracle it is that we might have found that. And would we be spurred on to share that with other people? You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. We thank you that we can know you. In your name, amen. Amen.